Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Have your Bibles, you can turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hopefully, you got um, some notes for tonight. As you're doing that, I just want to um, talk to you about um, why we do what we do as a church. Um, the Bible says this in John chapter 3, verse 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We believe that Jesus is the gift sent from God to be the payment of sins for mankind. That through his death and resurrection, all men can be saved if they call upon the name of the Lord. And there's no other way to be saved other than through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to eternity with God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so why we do what we do, why we gather here, why we are reminded of the truths of God's Word, and then even more specifically, why we take those truths and we take this belief and go out there and share the gospel with our community, knocking doors, at an October outreach, why we encourage you to do it while we try to do it at the store at our jobs wherever the case may be um, that's the the what that's what we do but the why is because there's no other way for men to be saved and even you know at the root of the why is supposed to be our love for God and our love for others and if we have the love of God in us the Bible says that we will love others that we can't love others without that love the way that we're supposed to love and so um, I share all that is, is, is because this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I believe the majority of people in here believe what we believe, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, uh, that he alone is the, the way, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. I believe everybody in here believes that, and if we believe that, then we've got to be uh, motivated in that. Uh, because, again, if we believe that Jesus is the only way, uh, then that has got to drive what we do. And uh, I share all that with you tonight because we are next week having our outreach banquet. And it's part of the, the how or the what of we do. Uh, we encourage you. Um, we fellowship together. We talk about what God has done. We talk about what we're going to do. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up already on the Welcome Center, to sign up and, and come and be a part of the outreach banquet. Uh, maybe you haven't been as involved in our uh, community outreach as you would like to be or uh, maybe you haven't committed to that or, or maybe you say I can't I don't have the time uh, Thursday nights aren't good they don't work for me they don't work for our family we've got too many things going on um, again we have other ways to be involved whether it's you know you don't have to go on Thursday evening but again if we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that through him salvation it happens alone uh, Romans chapter uh, 10 tells us that there's no way for somebody to hear unless somebody tells them, unless someone shares the gospel with them. And I've shared this many times before. There's people that you encounter in your life that I will never encounter in my life, never. 
and your job, your, your, your neighborhood, all those are mission fields that God has placed you in. And so we, we need to make sure that we understand the why uh, of what we do as a, as a member in the body of Christ. Why, why, are you, why are you here? Why are you still here on this earth? Why do you get up every day and profess to be a Christian? You know, why? why? And, and again, that should drive everything that we do. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of this because God has called us to reach at least five miles within this church, uh, all over this, this community. That's what he's called us to. He's called us beyond that as well. And we're going to try to do everything we can do, as the Bible says, to reach every single man uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we want you to be a part of that. We want you to be a part of what we do, what the church does, not just Trinity Baptist Temple, what the body of Christ does in this world, why we still exist. And so we want you to come. And so I feel bad about coming and, 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 and eating uh, when I haven't been a part of it. No, don't feel bad. Come and, and be a part. Know what we do and, and, and all those things and, and, and be on board. Get a, get a part of of what the church is all about. You don't want to stand before the Lord one day and say, man, I couldn't have put you in another church that was talking more about the Great Commission. I couldn't put you in a church that talked more about why you were on this earth. Uh, why didn't you help? Why didn't you go? Why didn't you tell? Why weren't you a part of why I left you on the earth? And so uh, I'm not trying to put a guilt trap. I just, as a, as from a love in my heart, I, I don't want to stand before God. I don't want you to stand before God and him to ask those questions and say, and ask you why. I, mean, I gave you everything. I gave you freedom. I gave you knowledge. Uh, again, put you in a church. I gave you all these things. And, and again, you had questions of why you went through the things you went through on, the earth, on this earth. You struggled. You were frustrated. You were hurt. You were sick. And, and all of it was a part of you being used to reach other people. Why didn't you reach other people? And so, uh, again, I want to encourage you to be a part in some way or, or form or fashion. We've got lots of things to be a part of as far as what we're doing, how we're getting the gospel out. And so uh, if you don't know all about that, then again, come uh, this, not this Thursday, but next Thursday night and um, be a part of that. So well, the last message we had in this study, encourage you, uh, we looked at two points, very important points. Number one was purity is, vital, is a vital element to our growth and holiness. And then point number two was actively growing love for each other is vital to grow to growth and holiness. And so we've got to grow in our love for each other in order to grow in our holiness according to the word of God. This week we move on to the big topic. We, if, if some of you are familiar with when I said turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And specifically we're going to start in verse 13, uh, which is uh, the big topic of the Lord's return the coming of the Lord. So let's pray, and we're going to jump into this. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity to gather here tonight. Lord, help us to never lose focus of why, why we're here and why we do what we do. And um, I pray that we would be motivated by the belief that is inside of us, that you are the only way. You are the only hope for mankind. And God, if, if we have a love for you and we have a sincere love for others, there's Nothing more we should rather do than to share this good news with those that are in darkness that would perish for all of eternity unless they heard the gospel and repented themselves. And so, Lord, help us uh, to be focused on you. Help us be focused on your vision, on your mission. Uh, Lord, help us even right now to, to set aside the distractions. Uh, maybe there's something in, in our minds, something in our hearts that's going to keep us uh, from hearing from you tonight. 
And if it's there, I pray that we would remove that, Lord, that you would even help us uh, get that out of the way so we could focus on your word, focus on this message tonight, how it should impact us, and even how we should respond to it. And so, Lord, just use me. I just want to be a vessel. don't want to be um, exalted. I only want you exalted. And I uh, want all of us to respond to your word. And so, God, I ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Again, Paul's writing to these new believers, these believers that have come to faith in persecution, but also that have been faithful in their new faith through this persecution. Their faith had been seen abroad, heard abroad. The Apostle Paul had commended them for their faith, for their love, all these things, but they were still new. They were still um, without knowledge in some areas, and specifically Paul's going to address this area of the coming of the Lord. Uh, many believe that they were uh, worried, based on some of the wording that Paul uh, writes to them, that they had already missed uh, the time frame of the day of the Lord had come upon them already. They were afraid that because of the persecution, because of everything Jesus had taught and how bad things were going to be at the second coming of Jesus Christ, Thessalonians were afraid that they had missed it. And so Paul is informing them, he's instructing them on the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, what it's going to be like, giving them comfort, giving them hope. And again, we can gain some things from that. So verse 13, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant or without knowledge. Brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Um, again, so Paul is want, wanting these Thessalonians, these new Christians, to be with knowledge in the area, specifically now talking about those who have passed on, those who have died in the Lord, those who are Christians, and they've passed on. Uh, that's what that word uh, asleep means. But this opens up the discussion of what we as Christians can expect both in death and after death. We talked about this a little bit already when we've gone through our journey with Jesus and our study in Luke. Uh, when we looked at Lazarus and the rich man, we talked about what happens immediately after death and, and things that we can gain from that. But again, this opens that discussion. And so point number one tonight that I want us to understand and, and just be reminded of is as Christians, we have hope beyond the grave because of the resurrection. Now this is something that um, I've, I've shared before that there's a lot of people that have died for many noble purposes throughout all of history. I mean, we can, we can go through different stages of history and see that people, whether they were army generals or whether they were just famous people giving themselves for a, a cause, there's a lot of people that have died for a lot of good things. Jesus would be in that same category if he hadn't risen from the dead. Because of the resurrection, you and I have hope beyond the grave. That, that's so important because there's a, a lot of people that question this, a lot of people that challenge that. He goes on, though, in verse 14 to explain. Verse, verse 14 says, because, or for, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So I want to make this clear once again. When the Bible refers to them that are asleep, or those that are asleep in the Lord, it's talking about Christians who have passed away, Christians who phys whose physical bodies have stopped having life in them. Uh, so when we see that word, when you see that word when you're studying, that's who it's talking about. But I don't know if you caught this, there was a qualifier of that promise. There's a qualifier in that verse. The qualifier is this, if we believe, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, there, there's the qualifier. 
Now, the way this is translated is this. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. I want to remind you of the word believe here. It's a word we've talked about many times. The Bible uses the word faith. It uses the word believe many times. And not every time is it the same exact word. But the Greek word here is pistil or pistios. That word means to uh, to entrust, especially one's spiritual well-being to Christ. Believe, commit to trust. And then you look at that last part there in the definition, put in trust with. Put in trust with to entrust. So it's not just a mindful belief. It's not an acceptance of some truth or some statement. It's nothing like that. It's an absolute committal. It's an absolute surrender. Again, an entrustment of all. So when Paul is saying, since we have entrusted, since we have completely surrendered, since we have committed our all, to Jesus Christ and the fact that he has died and rose again, that's how we can have this confidence. That's how we know these truths, and that's how we can have this hope beyond the grave. Those who have entrusted Jesus Christ with their entire being, you and I, uh, other Christians around this world, we've committed our lives to him. Our complete confidence is in him alone, in his death for our sins, in his resurrection to life. Again, can have hope beyond the grave. We, we, we talk about this sometimes, and I think sometimes people struggle with having that hope beyond the grave and then seeing someone who is mourning over the loss of a loved one who died in the Lord, who, who is sleeping in Christ. And sometimes people, uh, we, can, we can mar that or blur that line sometimes and think that, well, because I'm mourning, I don't have the confident expectation. I don't have the hope. I don't have the faith of what lies beyond the grave uh, because of my mourning. And that's not the case at all. Um, We are to mourn and we can sorrow, the Bible says, and we're going to see in just a second. But our sorrow is different than than those who don't have hope uh, in Jesus Christ. And the first hope that we have is that those who have died in the Lord will be brought with him upon his return to this earth. And so if you know somebody, I know plenty of people who have died in the Lord, that in my mind, there's no doubt that they were Christians, they were born again, they had put their faith in Jesus Christ. We know people like that. One of the hopes that we have in this life as we journey from day to day is that when the Lord returns, he's bringing those people back with him to this earth. That's an amazing promise. You know, that's that's an amazing uh, hope and and, and expectation, confident expectation that we can have because, uh, again, in that mourning, in that sorrowing that we even as Christians can have when we lose that loved one, uh, we know that they're going to heaven. We know that they're in heaven. One of the struggles that we can have is when. When am I going to get to see them again? I can't wait to see them again. Our hope, our confidence, our promise is that when he returns to this earth, he's bringing those back with him. As I said, we can have confidence in this truth because it's according to God's word. We see it in God's word. Look at the next verse of verse 15. For this we say unto you, there's those words right there, by the word of the Lord. We can certify this to you because it's God's word that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So we, 
we have an, an order here in this verse, the, or these, these, these couple of verses. When Jesus Christ returns to the earth, the first group of people that he is going to have with him are those who have died in the Lord, those who have who the Bible says are asleep, those who are Christians, who have passed away, those are the people that he's going to bring with him. And in verse 15 here, he says that we will not prevent them. But what does that mean? What is the word, we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will not prevent them which are asleep? What does that mean? What does prevent mean? Well, the word prevent means to proceed. We which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will not precede them which are asleep. So we, when, when Jesus comes in, in the clouds, when he comes back, when he returns to this earth, it won't be those of us who are alive and remain that gather together with him in the clouds first. The first thing that's happening is him coming, bringing those who have died of the Lord with him. They will return in glory with the Lord. And this drives home the truth that when we pass away as believers, we're taken to the very presence of God. Again, we saw that in the story of, of Lazarus and the rich man. But if, if the, those who have died in the Lord are returning with him at his coming, it means that they are already with him. Does that make sense? They're with him because we, we know that they are returning with him when he comes back to this earth. We also know that Paul wrote to the Corinthians concerning this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So I want to read these verses again. Verse 1, it says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. So he's saying we know if, if, if this earthly body dissolves, it passes away, it stops working, it, 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 the life goes out of it, that we have a building, we have a body of God, from God. A house that's not made with hands, and it's eternal. It's an eternal body in the heavens. And then listen to what he says in verse 2. For in this we groan. We were talking last night at Iron Sharpening Iron, and I said, um, you know, when I was in my 20s, I would hear guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s say, just wait till you get here. <laughs> They'd say, you know, you're going to start hurting, you're going to start, you know, uh, grunting and, 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 and moaning and, and, and different things when you get up, when you sit down, when you get out of bed, uh, when you do certain things. And I remember thinking as, as a 20-something-year-old, you guys are crazy. Yeah, that's not happening. I mean, you know, and so I, I was trying to, you know, stay active. And, and uh, in, in the school here, I was the coach and athletic director and so coaching basketball. And so I'd get out here with the guys and, and I'd run up and down the court with them. And, and, and it was fun whooping up on teenagers as a 20-something year old. You know, I could, I could outrun them. I, I, I just, it, it felt really good. And, and I was thinking in my mind, I'm always going to be like this. You know, that, that's just the way it's going to be. Then I was like 29, and, and I was, man, yeah, I don't know what these guys are talking about. It seemed like something happened when I turned 30. Um, I was telling Brother Robert last night, like in my mind, uh, it was just a year ago when I was 29 that everything worked the way it was. I mean, when, when I wanted to go, I could go. When I wanted to stop, I could stop. Uh, when I squat down, jump up, all those things, everything was working like I was an early 20-year-old, or, but 30, something changed. <laughs> when I wanted to stop, it took a little bit longer to stop. When I wanted to start, it took a little longer to start. And, and then things continued to progress, and as I get closer to 40, I said last night, I start, I'm starting to understand <laughs> what some of these guys have said, because there's absolutely no way that I could start 
the way that I once started when I was in my 20s or stop. And, you know, even today when I'm trying to, you know, work out and stuff, it just takes way more effort. I remember working out when I was in like my mid-20s and thinking, man, I feel like I'm 18 still. This is, this is wonderful. This is how it's always going to be. I know, you know, and I wasn't like completely prideful or ignorant. I, I knew things would eventually change, uh, but I was just thinking, well, I'm going to try to stay in shape, and it's just not going to affect me. Like it affects everybody else. <laughs> I was wrong. And um, things are happening. But Paul says that he groaned for this earth, I mean, this heavenly body, this body that's not made with hands, this body that uh, is eternal in the heavens. And he says that, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. This, this heavenly body, this eternal body that doesn't have aches, that doesn't have pains, that uh, don't have to worry about any sickness or disease or anything, and desiring to be that. And he says, if so, being that, uh, if so be that being clothed, uh, clo- uh, clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, in this earthly tabernacle, do groan, being burdened. We got aches and pains and we're burdened, not in, in, in all of that, but we have this desire, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that morality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God. He's designed us in the flesh. He's designed uh, our heavenly bodies. He's also given us the earnest or the guarantee of his spirit. Therefore, we are always confident because of the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, because the guarantee that God's given us with the Holy Spirit, we're always confident knowing that while we're here at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Now we know that the Bible says he's made us to, uh, to sit in heavenly places together in Christ Jesus. We know that we, our citizenship is in heaven. We know that spiritually that's where we are, but we still have our soul. We still have our spirit. We still have this earthly body. And he's saying as long as that we're in this situation, as long as that we're in these fleshly bodies, our being, even though we're already together in Christ, is truly absent from the Lord's presence. He lives inside of us. He, and again, understanding all these things is like trying to understand uh, the Trinity uh, it's the mysteries of God. No man can know it, as the Apostle Paul says. His ways are far beyond our ways, but he lives inside of us. Yet we are absent from his presence while we're in these bodies. And Paul even says this in verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Even though we don't see it, we don't understand it, we know these things are true. And so it goes on and says, And we're confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So again, when we see that those who are dead in, in Christ, those who have died in the Lord, died as Christians, they are present with the Lord because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he goes on in verse 16 back in our text and says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven bodily in, 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 in visible form. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an arch, archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now this is something again we say, wait a second. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And that means that he, when he returns, he's bringing those who, are, who have died in the Lord, those who are asleep, they're bringing, him back, bringing them back with him first before we, which are alive and remain. How is this possible? If the Lord's going to descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and then the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Well, what we believe, according to Scripture, and what we can best believe is that 
at that time there is going to be the resurrection of these bodies. Uh, now, I don't know how this looks. I don't know how all that works because we know that some people, maybe some of you in here, are planning on being burned, right? What's that called? Cremated, yeah. That's all burned. <laughs> burned up. Put into ashes. Cremated, yes, thank you. Um, and then some people's desire is that they would be scattered in the ocean, Scattered on a mountaintop, scattered a little bit here, scattered a little bit there. You know, I've heard all kinds of different things, and, and that's cool if, if that's what you want to do. But I don't know how it's all going to work. But the Bible says that when he, this voice of an archangel, when the trump of God sounds, that Christ is going to split the sky, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Those bodies are going to be raised, and somehow connected to their spirit, to their being, to their soul, and that's how it's going to happen first. That's, that's what we know. Um, I can't explain that any other way than what the Bible says. Uh, there's, I will say this, there's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of, of, of man's thoughts. And, and I could tell you my thoughts and I could tell you all those things. But uh, my responsibility is to tell you God's word and to preach God's word. And it says that when this happen, happens, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then in verse 17, Paul says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then listen to that last statement. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I, lo I love that verse. I love that verse for, for so many different reasons we'll talk about in just a second. But point number two is this. As Christians, we will be resurrected at the coming of the Lord to be with him forever. That is a promise. Paul said two times, we, we have confidence in, in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We have confidence, absolute confidence, hope, uh, confident expectations. There's no uh, question, there's no doubt that those who are dead in the Lord, when the Lord splits the sky, they're going to be resurrected, their physical bodies come with him, then we which are alive and remain are going to join them in the air, in the clouds, to meet the Lord and then we'll be with him forever. There's no intermission. There's, no, um, there's nothing else that happens. Once we meet the Lord in the air, we will be with him forever. We'll be forever reunited, reunited with those who have died in the Lord. So that reunion that at the coming of the Lord will happen in the air. Some people's minds is, is we're going to meet each other in heaven. The Bible says that we're going to meet in the air Christ is bringing those back with him. They'll be resurrected. That's where we're going to have the reunion. And again, some people with all of these things. So, okay, so you're saying that we have, we have a hope that we're going to be resurrected because Jesus Christ resurrected. But that's where my problem is. My problem is I don't necessarily believe that someone can be raised from the dead. I don't necessarily believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so I don't know that I can have hope or confidence that one day he's going to return and some weird magical thing that we've never seen, some, some person's going to come in the air with a whole bunch of people with them, and then all of a sudden, we who are alive and remain are going to mysteriously just start floating up in the air to meet him. I don't know if I can buy into all that. There's people that, believe, that, that have that, that stance. And if you and I were to logically think about things and say, okay, I've never seen anybody float up in the air. 
And I've never seen anybody float down from heaven. That is kind of weird to think about. Just kind of think about just, just floating up in heaven, people floating down from the sky. Most, most people in just a logical and even earthly, unredeemed, un, un, uh, or the, as the Bible used the word, ignorant mind, it, it, their, their thought is this. Well, yeah, there's things that come out of the sky. They're called aliens. They're up in the sky all the time, and, and maybe one day they're going to come down into our sky. You know, there's, there's, there's people that have that mindset, um, which is an interesting thought. It's kind of going to, to, to what I'll talk about in just a second. Uh, but if you, if you know, I'm not going to preach on aliens, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, if you're talking with someone, and, 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 or you know someone, you work with someone, a family member, a friend, and they're like that. They're like, I just don't know about the resurrection. And, you know, Christians talk about Jesus coming in the air and then the rapture and people floating up to the sky. I just don't know about that. And again, their, their question goes back to the resurrection. Um, on e in, around Easter this year, we handed out um, a little book to guests and stuff, and that was called uh, Case for Easter. And it's by Lee Strobel, really good. He did The Case for Christ. I think he just came out with a movie about that recently as well but we've got those booklets in the welcome center and so if you know somebody or if you say you know what i would like to see what's in that uh, go by the welcome center and get one of those books case for easter and it talks about the resurrection and uh, and even lee strobel's journey to uh, investigating this from uh from an investigative journalist perspective and, and trying to get concrete facts on the truth of easter uh, but again, I encourage you to, to, gri uh, to grab one. But if, if you and I can accept that Christ indeed rose from the dead, uh, then secondly, as we said, firstly was those that are, he, he's going to bring those back uh, with him. The second thing is that we can have confidence at his coming that we will rise to meet him in the air. Uh, the, the Bible talks about the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, the ascension of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says very clearly that they stood there with their, with their heads looking to heaven, and, and the angels even asked them, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? He did exactly what he said he would do. Now go and do what he commanded you to do. Um, and so, uh, again, these things literally happen. It takes faith to believe them, uh, but it doesn't take uh, an, an absolute ignorance. Some people say, well, you have to trade uh, logic for faith. You have to say, uh, things don't make sense logically, rationally. I've never seen it. I, 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 I've never experienced anything like that. And so I can't believe it. And that's why Paul said a while ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we live by faith and not by sight. Um, just because we haven't seen everything doesn't mean uh, that we can't believe certain things based off of truth and because of that God's word said it. Um, Again, it's hard, hard to logically understand and imagine because we don't see resurrections today. As I said, we don't see people floating up in the air. We don't see people floating down from the sky. Some people do. Maybe um, drugs can play a factor. But I, um, there, 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 are, there are things that... Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. <laughs> see people floating. But there are many things in this life that we have less evidence for, yet willing to accept. Things that we've never seen, but we accept. That they're true, that they happened, that they existed. Things like dinosaurs, right? 
I mean, we, 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 we believe there were dinosaurs. Absolutely we believe there are dinosaurs because there's skeletons of dinosaurs. But have you ever seen a dinosaur? So I, I see the evidence that they existed. But as Christians, that's what we say the Bible is. It happened because there's history. There's, there's evidence. Not only that, there's, there's perpetual evidence in people's lives being changed. And then the people have arguments about that. Yeah, but some people just have a, a change of, of heart. They have a change of direction. They turn over a new leaf. They, they start working out, and it changes their life. They become better people, or they, uh, they, they start a, a diet, and it, and it gives them a better mojo, and they, they start living their life completely different, or they get a new job, or, or they, they, they get into a different relationship, or whatever. Different things change people's paths. And, and I've had discussions with people like that. Matter of fact, knocking doors, I've had discussions with people like that. And I've had to tell them, but I'm telling you this, there's nothing that changes a person's life like Jesus Christ does. It's a transformation. It's a new birth. It's spiritual. And you can look at the outside and you can say, well, morally they changed, their actions changed. Um, and a lot of people do that for different reasons, even religions. I mean, there's people that are in Hinduism and Buddhism and and Shintoism, and, and, and Islam, and, and all those things, and they change their life. But nothing changes a person's life like Jesus Christ. And it's hard for somebody who's never experienced that to see that and believe that because they've never experienced it. You and I are some of the greatest testimonies. That's why it's so important for us to live our lives the way that he's called us to live. That we are to shine our light. That we are to share the gospel. That we are to live like we really believe it. You know, that's, that's something that, that I've shared before. Even we were talking about in the very beginning about what we do, but why we do it. If we really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. If we really believe that he is the answer and that those who don't have him will spend eternity in a lake of fire. If we really believe that, then we would have to act on that. I've shared it at our outreach training for, for a few years now um, um, that Penn and Teller, I think that's is Penn and Teller? No, not Penn and Teller. Is that it? The, the act? The, the, yeah. And uh, the, I think it's Penn. Um, he gets on his own YouTube channel, whatever, does a video, and he was talking about someone who was a part of his act that afterwards he asked them, or they, they were backstage and um, you know, there's a meet and greet and stuff like that. And the guy gives him a Bible and wrote some verses in it and his number and a couple contacts. And, and uh, Penn begins to, he's an atheist. And he begins to just kind of uh, regurgitate all his beliefs. But he's trying to, to uh, even get a point across. And his, it was this. He was saying that, I know there's no God. But I have admiration for this guy. Because he's... He's willing to give me the gospel. And he had, you know, you know, he was talking about, he had verses written in there and underlined and highlighted. And, and he, he wanted me to see what it took to believe like he believed. And he said, I, I admire that guy, even though I'm not, I don't believe the way he believes and I don't accept that. Um, and and he, he began to go on and say, uh, because if, if you don't share what you believe, he said, how bad, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them? If you believe that there's only one way, if there's a heaven, he said, and there's only one way to go to heaven, how bad do you have to hate someone not to tell them that there's one way? And he talked about, you know, if, if I was, 
in front of a bus and, and uh, how much would I have to hate, or how much would someone have to hate, how much would I have to hate you not to uh, tell you to get out of the way or to push you out of the way, and to warn you that this was about to happen to you. And so again, we believe this. We are supposed to act on that. We are supposed to live like that. Our lights are supposed to shine. The gospel is supposed to go out. Um, but again, there's things in this world, there's, there's, there's people in this world that will hold to things that they, they can't explain, they don't really have evidence for personally, um, and yet, again, they'll accept it and they won't accept the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's things that we're told and that we accept uh, without knowing for sure if they're true or not. A good example of that is the news, right? There's, there's been this big flare-up recently about fake news, right? And so uh, most people, up until this big thing about fake news, would say, well, the news said this. And we would think, this is true. I mean, there was, a, there was a, um, you know, that horrible thing that happened in, in Charleston. Um, and, and it was spun. There were certain things that were spun about it. And, and if you just listen to the liberal news, you would think, oh, this is what happened. And people would just accept that. Matter of fact, I, I used to watch this part of um, a, a news show where a guy would go out on the streets and he'd go to college campuses and he'd go to different parts of New York and L.A. and stuff like that. And he would talk to young people, old people alike, and he would interview them just on the street. And he would stick a mic in their face and the camera would be there. And he'd ask them different questions about uh, historical um, things. And he asked them about the, the stuff in our country, people who were uh, in office and, and who did this and who signed that. And uh, he would ask political questions and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And these people would either, number one, have no clue who did what, or, you know, I mean, they would be absolutely, you know, who is our vice president? Stuff like that. Who's our vice president? Um, I don't know. Or they would answer something completely off the wall. And then there were times that they would answer things that they had only heard, but they didn't know, them, they didn't know for sure themselves. And he would press them, why do you think that? Or, or why do you believe that? Or where did you hear that from? And they would finally break and say, well, I heard it on the news, or, or so-and-so told me, or so-and-so said it on, on TV, and so it has to be true. The, uh, Hillary said it on TV, or so-and-so said it on TV. It's got to be true, you know? And, um, and so, again, they just accepted what they heard as truth. And people can do that with so many other things, just like I said a while ago, like aliens. And there are people that will reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yet believe in aliens. There's more evidence. And I'm not saying that, that the enemy can't use uh, something like aliens to deceive people, uh, like, or the myth of aliens, or even uh, them be uh, something. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to preach on aliens or theories or thoughts or anything like that on that. But there are people that are accepting of stuff like that and yet reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the question that I have in this is why? Why, why do people... Why would they willingly accept it? Dinosaurs, yes, no problem, uh, because they're skeletons. Even if I've never seen a dinosaur, I'll just trust that um, the scientists are so smart that they took three bones and composed this huge skeleton. And that's the way the dinosaur looked from these three bones. It made sense. I mean, the scale, the shape, they could put that together. 
I mean, yeah, they're so smart. They can accept that, yet not accept the resurrection. Why? I believe it's the same exact reason why, as I said in the beginning, what our call is, what we do, what we do, why we do what we do, why it's so hard for us to share the gospel, why it's so hard for us to, to be a part of the only mission that Jesus gave to the church, why it's so hard for us to sit at that lunch table with that coworker and talk about the office, talk about the boss, talk about the job, talk about the sports, talk about the weather, talk about everything else. We cannot talk to them about Jesus. We can't talk to them about how to be saved. We can go to a family gathering and we can talk about aunt so-and-so. And we can talk about this game and that game. And we can talk about sports and, and all kinds of things. And what we used to do when we were kids. and all, We can talk about all those things when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to sharing Jesus. Why is it so hard? I believe it's the same reason why it's so hard for those people who accept Believe that aliens are real. Believe dinosaurs. You know, I, I'm, I believe they're dinosaurs. But I mean, I'm saying they, they believe there's dinosaurs, but they've never seen a dinosaur. But reject the, the resurrection. The reason why, I believe, is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual issue. That's why. That's why you can talk to that coworker about everything. But when it comes to, like, man, I want to share the gospel with them. It's so hard. I want you to also notice the apostle's belief that he would be alive when the Lord returned. Notice he said, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Those of us who are still living when he does come back. Hey, don't be ignorant. Don't, don't be without knowledge concerning these things. This is how it's going to happen. Those who are dead in Christ are going to rise first. They're going to come in the clouds. We're going to be raised to meet him in the air. That's how it's going to happen. We are going to meet him, those of us who are alive and remain. That was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul expected to be raised as part of the living and remaining when Jesus returned. See, he lived and he taught to be anticipating the Lord's return, the imminent return of Jesus Christ to this earth. I just shared this verse on Sunday, but it's what Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. He said a crown of righteousness was going to be given to him, but not him only, but all those that love his appearing, that are loving the thought and loving the appearing of the Lord. Another important note is this concerning these scriptures. There's nowhere in scripture that you'll find the word rapture. It's not in there. Uh, you can do a word search, but I'll save you the time. It's just not there. Uh, there's no word rapture in the Bible. Um, however, we hear a lot of talk about the rapture, and Christians are like, I can't wait for the rapture, I can't wait for the rapture, the rapture, rapture, rapture. The next, in this text, the, what we see is some words that compose uh, where we get the word rapture from. Uh, if you see, we'll be caught up that word caught up uh, comes from a Latin word that gives us the word rapture. It's rapturo, and that's where the word originated from, from Latin Vulgate. And so we get the word rapture uh, from that. The Greek word is harpezo, or harpezo, which means to pluck, to pull, to catch away, or to take by force. So as Christians, 
We have hope beyond the grave because of the resurrection. Not only that, we know that we will be resurrected ourselves at the Lord's coming to be with him forever. And the last point tonight is found in verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Point three is as Christians, we should be comforted and we should comfort each other with these truths. The Lord's coming back. He's bringing those who have died in the Lord with him. If we're alive when that happens, we're going to be resurrected to meet them, meet him in the air. But this brings home something very important, and that's there in your notes as well, that there's a balance of embracing and expectancy that we are to have or to maintain through the trials and the difficulties of this life. And so what are you talking about, a balance between those two? A balance of embracing the trials that we go through to grow in our faith. That's part of the embracing that we have. A balance of embracing suffering that we may go through, even as Christians, to grow more acquainted with the Lord's suffering that he suffered on our behalf. And that's to be balanced with this hope, with this expectation that none of these trials, none of this suffering, nothing in this world is our end. That we're going to be taken away from these things. When we're raptured out of here, we're going to be taken out of these things and forever at peace and forever at comfort in the presence of God. And I shared this a little bit Sunday as well. But the Apostle Paul's greatest desire was to leave this world. To leave this world and to be the, in, in the presence of, of the Lord. But here's the deal. It wasn't just to escape the junk. It was to be in the presence of the Lord. Because he loved him. And he wanted to be with him. But in that same verse, the Apostle Paul essentially says this. There's a balance. I have a balance. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, and it's far better. But he was pulled, and the, and, and the balance was this. That he was going to do what God had for him to do for as long as he had to do it. And listen to, to, to the to the circumstance, no matter what it cost him and no matter what he had to endure. That's the impossible. But he said, it's, it's, it's obviously more important for me to be here and, and, and to serve you, he said, than for me to go and be with him. I want to go and be with him. I want to be in his presence. I, I, I want to be out of these, these, these uh, prisons that I keep going into, all of these beatings I endure, all this, this heartache, these people that keep leaving me in the ministry, uh, all, all of this stuff, I, I, I'm, I, I would rather be with my Lord and my Savior. I would love to be in his presence forever. But it's more needful, evidently, for me to be here and endure what I've got to endure, go through what I've got to go through to accomplish the Lord's work and accomplish his will. And that's where we need to find our balance. Because the truth is this, we will go through difficulties in the journeys on this earth. In our lives, we're going to have difficulties. Truth is that we're going to face affliction. We're going to go through suffering and maybe even persecution if we're living as he's called us to live. That's the truth. So, what we need to do is what the Apostle Paul did, is embrace the journey. Knowing that the pieces of our lives, I've recently talked about a puzzle, you know, those million-piece puzzles or whatever. 
And knowing that those pieces, of the puzzle of our life, the puzzle of this world, this life in general, as difficult and even as frustrating as they can be. As I said you know, a few weeks ago when I was talking about that, uh, if you've ever tried to put that puzzle together and, and you've got a couple pieces that are already together and it looks like it's making a picture and you're trying to find that other piece and those other pieces and you get frustrated, you're going through all these ones and it just won't come together and you can't see everything the way it needs to be and you get so frustrated and somebody just walk away, I'm tired of doing this, I'm tired of dealing with this. Sometimes that's the way our lives are. Sometimes we can see some of the pieces together and it makes sense, but then sometimes we don't see where the other pieces are and how they fit and why we've got to deal with this and, 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 and why we're going through this right now. We don't see the whole picture. Even as difficult and hard to understand as it is for those pieces to fit together, we have to remember that they're all a part of a beautiful end that God has already ordained for us to have. All of them. Every piece has got to be there. Every piece takes time to put together. It's all painting this beautiful end that he's already told us in his word. Again, the picture can be vague. We can't understand. and can be frustrating, heartbreaking, go through difficulties like that. But God's word tells us we need to comfort one another with the truths of his word. And that's another reminder that when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through frustration, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through something that uh, you're miserable in and you're just like, man, I, I, I can't stand this. Know this, that when a brother or sister comes to you and gives you God's word, points you to the truth of God's word, it's not only their privilege and responsibility to do that, but it's also God's ordained plan to help us through the difficulties in this life. And so in closing, you know, we talk about the rapture, we talk about the end, we strive to figure it all out. Mankind has done that, I promise you that. You can go out there and you can read all day long about theories and all day long uh, about this is how it's going to happen. You can read all of those things. And the reason why is that we strive to figure it all out. We want to know how it all ends and exactly what to be prepared for because we need to be informed. We, that's what we want to do. We want to be informed of what lies ahead. That's why people are easily tempted with witchcraft, like astrology, fortune-telling, horoscopes, soothsaying, false prophets, and other means of telling the future falsely. That's why people, even sometimes Christians, can be drawn into this because I just want to know what it says. I just want to know what it says. What's going to happen tomorrow? Who am I going to marry? What's going to happen to my kids? But God in his word gave us just enough info to let us know what things were going to look like before he returned, what to expect in his return, and just enough info to give us hope and expectancy of the glory that's to come. And remember, Paul expected the Lord to return in his day. We should expect the Lord to return in our day, and we're to live like that. The last thing is, is something in Second Peter I've shared recently, and then we'll pray and open up the altar. Verse 3 in Second Peter chapter 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking or mockers, uh, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing's changed. Nothing's going to change. For this they will, are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth, uh, standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. 
But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day of the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And he's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffered to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that, there, that are therein shall be burned up. And then verse 11, here it is. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, all these earthly things, all this stuff that we live for in this life are going to be burned up. What manners of persons ought you, ought, ought you to be in all holiness and godliness? Holy conversation, conduct, and godliness. And in verse 12, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Where the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So just as the Apostle Paul, just as the Apostle Peter, we are to comfort each other. We are to be comforted with the fact that one day all of this junk is going to be gone. One day all of our troubles and trials will be over. One day we won't have to deal with this. But until that day, we need to balance that hope and expectancy that we have that he's going to take us out of this world. That he's going to come back with a shout of voice of our archangel and the trump of God. And we're going to be raised together to be with him forever. Comfort each other with that. That needs to be balanced with we're here now. We need to accept that, that we're here now. And we need to serve God with, with a fervor. We need to serve God and embrace the trials, embrace the difficulties, embrace all those things so that we can grow in our faith. We can become more acquainted with his afflictions that he suffered for us. And we can be to the praise of his glory in this life. And so I want to ask you to stand tonight. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're struggling with something. Uh, remember that this is not the end. But at the same time, remember that God has you there for a reason. You, you're going through that trial. You're going through that struggle. And there's a purpose in that. Um, submit to the Lord. Just continue to press forward. And allow him to accomplish that purpose through that. Let's pray. And we'll open up the altar. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these truths and this reminder tonight that uh, you're coming back for us one day, God. I can't wait for that day. Uh, I would love to be alive and um, to see all of that happen uh, from this perspective. But at the same time, Lord, I would love to see it from the other way. I would love to come with you in the clouds. Um, I would love to see all of our, our, our brothers and sisters who are alive uh, to join us in there. What, what an amazing view that's going to be from, from both sides. Um, Lord, I, I can't wait for that time. Lord, I, at the same time, Lord, I'm so uh, excited that you've called us uh, in your mission for this season. In 2017, in this uh, 21st century, uh, you've called us, those of us right now in this room, uh, to live and to be witnesses for you. In some of the, the most blessed times that this world has ever seen, and some of the most challenging times this world has ever seen, uh, you've called us to. And I pray that we would have heavenly vision. I pray that we would have eternal uh, perspective and that every day of our life uh, we would understand that we are supposed to be living on mission for you. It's so easy to get distracted with, with jobs, with activities, 
Lord, help us remember that every day is an ordained day that you've given us uh, to be about your work. And, uh, Lord, just help us remember these things. Help us, again, to be comforted in these things. And I pray you would move now and that we respond rightly to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.